say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, metalheads, to Heavy Metal Philosophy with John Barbus. I'm John Barbus. Make sure you stick around to the end of the episode for this week's Riff of the Week. Now, on this week's episode, this one's going to be a little crazy. I'm not sure that I even want to do this episode and release it to the public, but another part of me feels like it is my obligation to do so. I was scrolling Twitter, and I ran across a philosopher and a professor who was making several arguments across various different podcasts. There was many clips of him making arguments that pedophilia is not immoral, or as he would call it, adult child sex, because I guess that term is less offensive. And I feel that I need to refute these arguments, and I will play the clips and argue against them as a fellow philosopher. Before we get deep into that, I want to do something positive because I may get really angry. I'm going to try to keep calm and just stick to the arguments, but I want to start with something positive just so it's not all bullshit this episode. So a couple of days ago, I got a comment on one of the old episodes from another YouTuber and this guy, his thing is whiskey. Let me pull up the channel here. Yoda, be quiet. Recording the podcast. No, go away. The name of this channel is Greg's Whiskey Guide. And he commented on one of the episodes that he had made an episode on his channel where he talked about his favorite metal records from 2021. And then he paired a whiskey with it and I thought that is fantastic that is just that is just such a great combination I love whiskey and I love metal so cheers to Greg from Greg's whiskey guide y'all go check it out it's a fun fun uh, YouTube channel here I have a singleton 12 year old scotch cheers Greg much appreciated. By the way, Greg's French, so to my American ears, he just sounds so sophisticated and smart. Definitely go check him out. He put me on to some new bands that I hadn't heard of before. In particular, there was one called Portal, but he also shouted out some bands that I love, which lets me know he has great taste. He shouted out Rivers of Nile and Worm. So, I mean, the man has excellent taste. And that must mean that his whiskey selections must be choice as well. Now, let's get into it. Now, the philosopher in question, his name is Stephen Kirshner, and he is far more credentialed as a philosopher than I am. 
He is actually a professor at a university. He is a professional philosopher. He gets paid for this sort of thing. And I'm merely a hobbyist. I'm just a guy that has read a lot of books and I'm just generally interested in philosophy and have used what I've learned to help improve my life. You know, it's my favorite quote from doing this podcast. I say it all the time. Metal helped me to endure my life, but philosophy helped me to improve my life. So I, my credentials, my qualifications, they pale in comparison to this gentleman, but that does not mean he is correct. Just, I'm not about credentialism. I disagree with what he's saying. And so I'm going to play the clips and refute them with my own arguments. So the first clip. Imagine that an adult male uh, wants to have sex with a 12 year old girl. Imagine that she's a willing participant. A, a very standard, very widely held view that there's something deeply wrong about this and it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that it is in fact wrong. I think this is a mistake and I think that exploring why it's a mistake will tell us not only things about adult child sex and statutory rape, but also about fundamental principles of morality. All right. I was blown away when I heard that. It's not obvious to Mr. Kirshner that, quote, adult child sex is wrong or immoral. And this is, of course, independent of whether or not it's legal. Now, on this, I actually do agree because lots of things that I find morally abhorrent are perfectly legal. And lots of things that I think are no big deal are illegal. Legality does not morality make especially when we live in a society that to say the least has its priorities wrong when it comes to morality. But let's get into the further clips so that he can elaborate on his point. You know, you want to say, well, what does he mean? What, what, what argument is he going to make to support this? Surely this professional philosopher has thought about this deeply and he has hence why he's so prolific he's even written a book on the subject so i was curious and i went down the rabbit hole so the next clip there's a couple things to say here one is even if you are looking for a threshold let's say there's a threshold i'm, I'm making this number up but let's say it's at age eight um still that tells you that some adult child sex is permissible Second, the notion that it's wrong even with a one-year-old is, is not quite obvious to me. There are reports in some cultures of grandmothers filleting their, uh, the baby boys to calm them down when, when a colicky. Now, I don't know if this is true, but this, this is sort of widely reported as occurring in, in, in at least one culture. And it, it working, that the grandmothers believe, believe this actually works. If this were to be true, and again, I don't know it to be true. If it were to be true, it's hard to see what would be wrong with it. So, yeah, I, I guess I think, no, I, I don't think there's a blanket period beyond which this is permissible. If we're interested in willing participation, which is the way I structured it, then, yeah, there's a, there's a point below which people aren't willing participants in anything because they don't have intentions or they don't have the sort of mental states that allow for willing participation. But, no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's blanket wrong at any age. All right. So on at least one point, it doesn't matter whether I agree or not. It's simply true. So he says, whatever limit we put on adult child sex, 
whatever the age is, because society desires for there to be some sort of legal limit, whatever's on the other side of that limit is going to be permissible. So if you live in a state where the age of consent is 16, then a 17 year old and an adult can have sex. And at least in the eyes of the law, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, you know, we have Romeo and Juliet laws to protect people who maybe dated in high school. And then one of them got out of high school, the other one's still in high school. You know, that's reasonable. If somebody's 19 and their girlfriend is 17, like no big deal. But a 40 year old man, in my opinion, has no business being with a 17 year old girl. Now, I'm sure Mr. Kirshner would disagree and he will lay forth more of his arguments in further clips. But let me just, before we go off on a tangent, let me address this clip right here. He says that he doesn't think that there's anything wrong with even a one-year-old because he heard that in some cultures that that is done. But to me, that is not an argument for morality because we can find examples of all sorts of things that various cultures do even not sexually, that we would find morally repugnant. There, there are innumerable amounts of cultures with vastly different practices all across the planet, and we don't do things that are widely considered immoral and then just point to some particular culture somewhere else. Well, well they do it. That, that, that's not the way this works. I, I can find all kinds of fucked up examples that all kinds of cultures do. You know, this is the whole reason why we have philosophy to begin with so that we evolve our human cultures you know if 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 it weren't if we didn't want to move away from barbaric practices then why do we practice philosophy at all why don't we all just go back to a state of nature and then we don't have to worry about morality anymore we can just follow all of our animal desires Next clip. They might think that children can't be willing things in general. It's an odd view in that they seem to will things all the time. They, they will participation in kickball. They will showing up participating in the bar mitzvah lessons, spot mitzvah lessons. So there's all sorts of things that they will. You might think, well, maybe there's something distinct about sex that they can't really understand it. It's not clear to me that what they're not getting at is consent. I suspect what they want to say is, okay, they're willing participants, the voluntary participants. They have some understanding of what's going on, not the understanding we do, but some understanding, but they haven't consented. But perhaps that's so, but that's a different claim from their being unwilling. There's just lots of activities that children engage in that they don't understand all that well. For example, when you, when you first show up to um, participate in a judo tournament or you prepare for your, your bat mitzvah, I mean, you, you have a rough idea, but not clear how much you fully understand it. So this is my number one issue with pedophilia is consent. And there is a difference between willingness and consent. And all we have to do to illustrate this point is think about all the other times when people willingly have sex, adult people willingly have sex, where we would look at that situation and go, yeah, that wasn't moral. It's pretty widely accepted that a boss, a high level boss at a company, a CEO having sex with a underling 
is not a good idea. Sure, the woman probably was willing. The man didn't have to hold her down and violently rape her for us to look at that sex and say, yeah, that's not good. There is a power imbalance there. And in this example that I'm putting forth, I'm talking about two adults. You know, the woman in this situation has way more agency and way more understanding to this guy's point of what it is she is engaging in. But the power imbalance makes it sketchy to say the least. I'm sure that there are individual instances where a boss and an underling truly do actually love each other or perhaps they just were really attracted and it's just sex to them and there's not going to be any sort of effect on their working relationship. I'm sure you can find individual examples where that's so, but in general, it is widely agreed that this is not a practice that should be um, encouraged. You know, a, a boss and, it, and an underling should not be having sex. A casting agent in Hollywood should not be having sex with people and casting them in roles. You know, you're supposed to cast the best actor in the role. Adding sex to the equation muddies what's actually supposed to be happening there. Now, this is all in professional context. Now we're talking about an adult and a child, one who has vastly more world experience and is fully developed in their brain and has far more agency and a child. The, the ultimate power imbalance is between an adult and a child, which he will make sort of my point for me in the next clip or in a, in a clip coming up. If we're in the area of legislation rather than morality, here's a rule of thumb. If you don't know whether something has expected good or expected bad consequences, the thumb on the scale should go to liberty. So if we don't know whether um, willing sex with 15-year-olds is going to have net good or bad consequences, it's like, say, oh, well, go ahead and ban it. The idea is that people trying to criminalize something bear the burden. And even having harsh opinions on this before we condemn people for engaging these on the basis of probabilistic utilitarianism, we should know that it does pose a risk for those and only those willing participants. So I have some uh, sympathy is the wrong word, but we'll use it here. I have some sympathy for what he's saying here, because in general, he's saying if we don't know something, let's take some let's take this subject of sex which is a charged subject. Let's just take that out and just say in general, if you take a subject and you don't know that it's going to have a negative benefit, then society should err on the side of liberty. It shouldn't outright ban something that it does not know has a negative effect. And I agree with that general sentiment, but I, I do wonder why is he so prolific on this subject of adult child sex and maybe not writing books about why say marijuana should be legal. That's really odd to me. And furthermore, we do know that there's negative consequences to pedophilia. It is known across numerous studies that when 
a child is molested, that person will grow up and be far more likely to molest somebody themselves. It's they're like zombies or vampires or something. They spread it. You know, if somebody was to burgle the cabin in the woods, it wouldn't make me more likely to become a burglar. It's a different kind of crime. So we do know that there are negative consequences. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. But in general, when we don't know, yes, err on the side of liberty. Next clip. Let me address the evolution in adult child sex. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating here, but, but I, it's not obvious to me there aren't evolution advantages. And here's the reasons to think there are evolution advantages. One is uh, when you test college-aged males, surprisingly number, surprise numbers, like you know, over one-fifth, show attraction to prepubescent individuals. I assume that's mostly girls. And that's true not only when you ask them, he's self-reported, which people have got to be, hasn't self-reported, but when you use the penile responses, which are the, the kind of true test. So it's fairly widespread among young men, particularly young men in our society. Second, you see in the hunter-gatherers, right? You see it in all sorts of cultures that are, that are quite different than our own in places like New Guinea and, and things like that, Melanesia. And third, you see it historically, right? It was true in, in adult child sex, true in ancient Japan, ancient China, you know, ancient India, Egypt, even Great Britain. And you see in our closest cousins, the bonobos. Right? Bonobos are the closest um, to, to us genetically. So if you see the same preference for adult child sex in young males today, in hunter-gatherer societies today, in history, and our closest genetic cousins, there's excellent reason to believe, not excellent, but there is good reason to believe that there's actually a strong benefit to adult, adult child sex. Now, what is that benefit? I'm not entirely sure. It might be that people are getting acclimated to sexuality or they're getting you know, prepared for a long-term bond, or it might be something else. It might, it might be that you're bonding families together. I don't know exactly what the explanation is, but, but I would claim that in evolutionary terms, as best we can determine, it's more likely than not there's a strong evolutionary case for adult child sex. So again, I've already made the point that we can look at other cultures and find all manner of things that probably shouldn't be replicated. 
So I don't need to make that point again. But evolutionarily, I would piggyback on that point and say, yes, there are many things. Again, when we analyze this philosophically, let's take sex out of the equation because that is a charged subject. There are many things that have evolutionary benefit, but the purpose of philosophy and having evolution in society is to get away from these animalistic instincts that evolutionarily were beneficial to us back when we were living in a state of nature, subsistence living, constantly being harried by predators and other tribes. Yeah, there were all sorts of things that were evolutionarily beneficial, chief among them a proclivity to violence. Being good and willing to be violent has tremendous evolutionary benefit. Who gives a fuck? We live in modern society where we should discourage proclivity and willingness for violence. In modern society, we're supposed to resolve our differences philosophically so just because something has an evolutionary benefit does not make it something that we should pursue or something that's moral oftentimes something that has an evolutionary benefit is something that we should be working to grow past because it is no longer necessary with the type of society that we have built next clip because um, this seems to be like a paradigm case. There's actually some meta-studies which seem to suggest that in some cases, uh, at least with regard to um, adult males and um, underage uh, males, that it's not harmful or mm -hmm. if it is harmful, we can't decide whether the harm is due to the sex itself or the fact that society goes berserk over it. And so, one of the articles I was reading said, look, this is wrong. We don't need to know whether it's harmful. The empirical question of whether or not there's any long-term harm we could track on this is really beside the point. And I was kind of struck with the question. I thought, well, it's not obvious to me why that is, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the standard kind of other argument is that it's a right infringement. And I wasn't sort of convinced by that argument. And also when it comes to hebophilia rather than sort of adult child sex, so sex with like young teens, it's not clear to me. I mean, look, there's at least some reason to believe that um, that, that individuals are, you know, designed by evolution to begin reproduction at that period. So if they're mm -hmm. designed by evolution to begin reproduction, it's not clear why it would be physically either harmful mm -hmm. um, or emotionally harmful. And so, so there was kind of like three different explanations, none of which convinced me. All right. So that is a point that I have read up on in the past is, is the trauma that children endure from being molested by adults is it because that being molested by adults is inherently traumatic or is it because we live in a society that treats it like you know this um, grave event and if that child lived in a society where adults where adults and children are having sex is normal perhaps they wouldn't be more traumatized by that I'm not sure which one of those is correct. The only thing that I would say about that is we have reports on societies where adult child sex is not as stigmatized 
And because it's not as stigmatized, it is a part of the culture, it is the norm. You can just talk to any soldiers that have done tours in Afghanistan and they will tell you that they keep the women locked away and then they go out and have sex with boys. Yeah, I don't think that's the kind of society that we want to live in. Next clip. Right infringement case that we don't get, they, they can't give their valid consent and therefore it's wrong in virtue of being a right infringement. And there's a view that it's exploitative. That even if it's not harmful, yes. and even if it's not a right infringement, it's somehow an exploitation. Right. I've, I've heard all these, yes, okay. Right. So those are the three dominant arguments. None of these convince me. So the, the, me neither. the, the, the harm argument, well, there's, not, there's actual, like, you know, empirical controversy over this. Sure. Yeah. On the rights-based argument, I think, look, we, we make children do all sorts of things that Thank we don't you. want to do. Thank you. Know, yeah. We make them go to... They go to church, we make them go to the temple, we tell them to go to school, they got to go to the dentist, they got to go to their, their sister's ballet recital. And and we don't care what they say. And and they want to do things, we say no, right? They, right. they say, I want to stay up and watch, you know, Creature Feature on WPIX until, you know, Thank two you. in the morning. We say, well, it's tough. That, that, that is all a child's life is, is coercion. That's right. It's coercion by adults to make, and often to make the child do something for the adult's pleasure only. That's exactly right. Yeah, so, yeah, you're, you're going to go to your great uncle's funeral, even though you want to go, and right. it's not in your interest. Right. So the rights-based argument's a little bit hard to follow. In addition, hmm. at least in some cases, certainly with hemophilia and sort of... All right, so this is the clip that I found the most unsettling. And part of that is also because this particular clip was on Thaddeus Russell's podcast. And I, in the past, have been a fan of some of Thaddeus Russell's work. And this sort of changes my views on Thaddeus Russell a bit. So the point that they're making is that we force children to do things all the time. So the lack of consent is not valid when you're arguing that adult child sex is wrong. This argument to me is insane because again let's just take sex out of the equation you know yes I forced my son to brush his teeth of course I did that did I force my son to drink hemlock no did I force my son to play in traffic for my entertainment of course not everybody would say that this is morally bankrupt so it's not a question of do adults coerce children. It's a question of what things are moral and good and beneficial to coerce children to do and what things aren't. Obviously, making children brush their teeth is for their benefit. Making children drink rat poison is not. So that to me is insane that that is the basis of their arguments like well adults force children to do things all the time yeah yeah yes a child's life is of course a lot of coercion and then Thaddeus Russell at the end says that adults force children to do things all the time often for only the adult's pleasure I can't think of a specific example right off the top of my head that I forced my son to do merely for my own pleasure. Perhaps there is some instance, I'm not thinking of one right off the top of my head, but again, let's take the child out of the 
equation and, and add somebody else into this thought experiment. What if I forced my wife to have sex with me and I was the only one that was getting any pleasure out of it? My wife didn't get any pleasure out of the sex, only me. Of course we would say that's immoral. And again, to my previous point, the ultimate power imbalance is between an adult and a child. So if it's wrong between two adults who are married, then of course it's wrong between an adult and a child. Next clip. And then last exploitation, again, I, I don't think exploitation is wrongful. I'm not exactly sure even what makes something exploitative. Exactly. Right? If there were, I'm not sure what makes it wrongful. And even if it were wrongful, it's not clear that it occurs in uh, most cases of adult child sex or even uh, let alone all of the cases. So again, I've already made this point. If I was to be exploitative to another adult, you know, one of my, one of my direct reports at work, somebody that reports to me, if I were to exploit them for their labor, then of course society would come down on me for that. So of course the ultimate power imbalance between an adult and a child exploiting a child. I mean, even if you, again, if you take sex out of the argument, exploit the child for something else. And then I wonder if this guy would have the same arguments, you know, does this guy think that the way that those child actors, parents exploit, exploit children is no big deal. Probably because the very first clip, he says that I shouldn't say probably that's unfair of me to put words in his mouth, but moving on after I apologize for that one unfair rebuttal at the, the very first clip, he says that the way we think about these things says something fundamental about morality. And I agree. I agree because, you know, I too think that society has its morality, all sorts of upside down. And to illustrate this, you know, I can get on Twitter and I can shout from the rooftops about how the genocide in Yemen is wrong and it will get basically no traction. But if I pile onto somebody who said the wrong thing, perhaps they said something that was ableist or sexist, then all sorts of people will pack me on the back for that. And of course, it is not great to be sexist. Of course, you should avoid being sexist, if at all possible. But I think the easiest slam dunk of morality, you know, we can disagree about all sorts of things. If we, if we observe an interaction between a man and a woman, and somebody says that the way that that man spoke was sexist towards that woman, maybe depending on the circumstances, many people would look at that and have disagreements about whether it was sexist or a misunderstanding, you know, but it should be a slam dunk. When you look at the genocide in Yemen, there should be no debate that this is morally repugnant, that we are being forced to be complicit in this activity via our taxes. The people of Yemen pose absolutely zero threat to America. And yet we are being forced against our will. We are being exploited for our labor. We do not consent to participating in this genocide. All you would have to do for these people to live is simply allow medicine to enter the country, simply stop dropping bombs on their hospitals. You know, 
easy moral choices. Hey, don't genocide the poorest country in the Middle East. Yeah, I find it a little crazy that we're having debates about other issues and we just can't even give any oxygen to this issue. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of things that I think are saying something fundamental about the way society views morality. And I find it very odd that this philosopher has spent so much time and effort, so even so far as to write a book about it, defending adults having sex with children. You know, I can't convince him that it's moral, but I would just say, hey, you're a professor and you're smart and charming and probably can have sex pretty easily with other adults and you should do that. You know, we live in an age where everybody's worried about uh, you know, misinformation and, you know, uh, people who follow podcasts being led astray. I disagree with deplatforming people, which is why I'm even doing this episode instead of talking about awesome heavy metal like I prefer to do. I don't want people to be deplatformed for repugnant views because who gets to decide which views are repugnant? That is the most dangerous part. And, you know, the Overton window always moves. So I don't want things to be deplatformed. That's why I'm coming here to argue against these ideas that I think are so harmful. Now, unfortunately, my podcast is new and very small and probably won't reach near the amount of people that these podcasts have reached. And I... I I shudder to think how many people thought, well, this guy's smart. Maybe it is okay for me to fuck kids. That's, I can't properly articulate. I don't understand. Even if this professor does think that there's nothing wrong with it, why would you proselytize about it? Why would you lobby about it? You know, that doesn't mean that everybody else needs to do it if that's what you like. That's, that's all I'll say about that. I don't want to make an hour-long episode about this subject. I find it uh, disturbing, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. But you can help because, like I said, this, this guy's podcast appearances probably have reached far more viewers than my rebuttal is going to. So if you could share this, if you could hit subscribe or follow Comment, please tell me what you think, you know, are in, do you take issue with some of the arguments that I've put forth? Perhaps uh, I'm oversimplifying something. So you can put that in the comments. If you're not on YouTube, there is no comment section. So just hit me on social media. The links are in the description. Just search for heavy metal philosophy on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. You can send me an email at heavymetalphilosophy@gmail.com, And then you will be completely anonymous. I won't share your thoughts with the world. I promise. So, you know, this is philosophy. Tell me what you think. Don't let this thing be one way. But again, I, that's all the amount of effort I want to spend on this for now because that's truly disturbing to me. So let's talk about metal and let's talk about the riff of the week. This week I got the joy and I really probably should have done a review of this album instead of talking about 
this I should have been doing a review about this album because it is so fantastic. I might even like it more than the Fit for the Autopsy album that I did such glowing reviews for. Just released is Venom Prison, Edibles. Now, this is a supremely heavy album and it's impressed me so much because every song is like an encyclopedia of all of their various metal influences. I mean, there is like Lamb of God sounds in here. There's metalcore. There's modern guitar work. There's traditional metal. There's death metal. There's hardcore work in here. There's ambient stuff. There's just so many influences you could pick out and they weave them throughout every song. Every song is just so many different types of metal at once. And it blows my mind that it doesn't sound disjointed. It actually still sounds cohesive. They managed to make it a cohesive unit. And in fact, even lyrical themes, because most of the songs are have some sort of theme when it comes to Greek mythology. And of course, that is right up my alley. I love that shit. And just tr tremendous vocals. Check out Venom Prison. And this week's riff of the week is Venom Prison Comfort of complicity thank you so much please tell me what you think i'm very curious to know because obviously i only know what i think get out there listen to metal read philosophy if somebody falls in the pit pick them up because it's all love Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.